When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Mackie and Jeb with Rami listeners. We're asking you to help us improve the listener experience of this show, whether it's segments, advertisements you hear, you name it, by going to scorenorth.com, keyword MJR, and filling out a quick survey. You can help make the show better. Please help us cater this show and the ads to what you want. Scorenorth.com, keyword MJR. And if you fill it out, Judd will give you an awkward bro hug next time he sees you. I promise. It's not big enough, but it's sure good when you're having it. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Like, wow, and look Whoa. at this. Whoa. And B going at it with Carl Anthony Towns. It is a competitive game. That's all it was. There's a lot of uh, great things as a team we can learn and really go out there and uh, try to be Washington. But as a competitor, are you all disappointed in yourself to get drawn into something like that? It was competitive. Uh, and I just think that we need, as a team, we got to be playing better with our system. Are you swinging him or are you trying to get him in a headlock? This is competitive. It's competitive basketball that we've been playing. I think you guys build it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, me. Uh, I just uh, make sure, every, I said it in, uh, in Minnesota, I'll say it again. You know, I'm not here to sell links and clicks and papers i'm here to win games uh well first of all i ain't no b- uh <laughs> so nah there was not a lot of talking i mean uh you were kind of happen out of nowhere and uh you know you know i just did what i had to do and uh i was just you know trying to control myself and you know it happens there he is it's official Jimmy Butler's protege, Joel Embiid, has completed has completed the transformation. He is now Jimmy Butler's protege. Where's and, Jimmy uh, right now? I we got to hear from Jimmy. Jimmy's, Jimmy's got to be Jimmy's thrilled. Jimmy's been silent on this. Nobody's heard from Jimmy. This I want to hear from Jimmy. I feel like this is turning into that Seinfeld yeah. episode where Jimmy talks about Jimmy in the third person. <laughs> Jim, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's got to go to the gym. Jimmy's hurt. Jimmy's got to. Jimmy's hurt. Jimmy's got to get some steps in. That's right. Jimmy's got to take a paternity leave and (laughs) dump Carl Anthony Towns. (laughs) Right? Actually, I'm glad you brought up Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is the first guy that that popped into my mind when that brawl went down. And then it was confirmed by Joel Embiid on his social media accounts that Jimmy Butler was indeed in his mind as well. So I think, now correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, we've known there's been bad blood just based on like some reports and some little couple of little comments here and there by Jimmy Butler and Towns, but we've never really had the full on confirmation from the horse's mouth 
that they hate each other. No, right? in 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 Johnny K's article today about this, he he mentioned that they've actually said that they're friends or at least friendly yeah. before all this, and all this is just good-hearted, you know, light ribbing between the two. Yeah. That went past that line last night. We've heard a, sure. we heard a lot last year behind the scenes about various things that might be going on between those two or third parties involved, but n- none of it was confirmed, and they tried to say that they were fine. But at that time, it always sort of felt like Cat deferring and being weak and being not very strong and being everything that until last night, I, I think a lot of people, especially nationally, assumed. And then last night, he tried to change the narrative, yeah. and good for him. Well, here were the social media posts for people who have been at work today and 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 missed this back and forth. So Embiid, after the fight and after the Sixers win by 20 points, Embiid sends out a post on Instagram, great team win. I was raised around lions, and a cat pulled on me tonight. Laugh my ass off. At Jimmy Butler, he tags. I missed being part of the third stringers, dot, 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 referencing the infamous practice in which Jimmy Dude, Butler so joined soft. the third stringers. That's so soft to try and pull Jimmy in to back you up. Like, Jimmy Jimmy saw the highlights. Jimmy didn't need you telling him that you guys are going back and forth. If he wants to jump in, he'll jump in, Joel Embiid. This is... Mm-hmm. People do this all the time on Twitter when they can't take on a fight themselves. They'll tag somebody else who they know agrees with them. It's such a punk move, dude. Yeah. Everything Joel Embiid has done from the time that fight started until those were posted has been a punk move, or as he would put it, a B-word move by Joel Embiid time and time again. He continued with that original post and said, I got Cat's mom giving me middle fingers. If Which you look at the awesome. video, his parents were like oh, leaning over the tunnel and flipping him off. That's what yeah. family does. That's some serious real estate, all caps. So the cat responds with mocking Joel Embiid by posting photos of him and putting Embiid in a headlock and crying, crying after Embiid yeah, and a bunch of clown emojis, to which Joel Embiid follows up, that tough guy act ain't cutting it. You know what you are. You know what you've always been. A bleepy. Uh, you can fill in the words. Yeah. It's a reference to a different. It's a reference to a cat. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. He wrote, "Been kicking your ass and pretty please make the playoffs before you talk." It's a known thing that I own you. He also commented on one of Cat's Instagram posts, referencing, "This is why you know who, meaning Jimmy Butler, treated you like a b word as well." And here's like just I, here's my quick takeaway on this. This is confirmation. Let's start with Jimmy Butler. This is confirmation that Jimmy Butler left the Timberwolves and instantly started just dumping all over Carl Anthony Towns to those young players on the Sixers, yep. right? Like literally spent six months with the 76ers or four months, whatever it was, yep. trashing Carl Anthony Towns because it's obvious you wouldn't tag Jimmy Butler in these posts if you guys hadn't been talking about this for months and months, right? So Jimmy Butler is now confirmed as being a fake clown leader in my mind. Like he came in and pretended to be the leader of the Timberwolves. Really, he just crapped all over the young players and left, and that's who he is. And then continued crapping on him. Yes. And I think what we saw last night was Carl Anthony Towns, ever since that Rockets series, the first-round playoff exit against the Rockets, Carl Anthony Towns has been he's been getting clowned by TNT commentators. He's been getting clowned by his own head coach, Tom Thibodeau. He's been getting clowned by Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, and he snapped last night, and I freaking love it. But, but here's my I love love it. And he, But here's my only... And I love it, too. My only frustration is, Carl, love you. You're a great player. But when Jimmy Butler comes to that practice last year and pulls that stunt behind closed doors, where, by the way, you ain't getting suspended, 
you go after him. He wasn't ready to do it then. No, I, but you just, you snap. But he wasn't ready to don't do it. Don't care, then. you snap. You, that, this is, I've been telling, but I've been he wasn't telling ready you, to do it I don't care. You snap on him and you go after him. And I don't care if you lose the fight, but you have a he knockdown, would, lose the fight. drag out, and, and he still might. I don't care. I love what he did last night. The, the only thing I don't like is this Twitter and Instagram back and forth. Keep that crap away. I mean, fight on the court. I don't care about that. Um, but that was the frustration because it's, what he should have done. The fact that he's now gotten to this point, though, I absolutely love. And if ever there was a time to draw a line and be like, okay, this is it, last night was it. So let's, so let's, you and I sort of, it's not that we disagree. You're saying, I don't care what the circumstances are. Punch him in the mouth when he's clowning you in practice. Yes. And what I'm saying is, if you look at the circumstances now, now he has a front office and a coach that have empowered him. All summer and have said, dude, forget about this Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler crap. Mm-hmm. You are the man. You're one of the best players in the NBA, and we're going to pump your tires, and you're going to score 30 points a night, and you're going to be this ferocious, unleashed big man that you should have been two or three years ago. He was getting, you know, he, he had thumbs on his head two or three years ago. He, well, this is actually only a year ago that that infamous practice happened, but a lot's changed in the last year. He didn't think, and I know you disagree, Judd, but like he didn't think he was in a spot to be able to rise up and take control when his coach was a Jimmy Butler guy and when Jimmy Butler was as boisterous as he was. And you fast forward a year and you start you start picking at a guy, picking at a guy, picking at a guy again when he's now been empowered to be the leader of this franchise, and that's what happens last night. And I don't condone swinging on guys on a regular basis. I've seen a lot of people in my Twitter timeline, you're a hypocrite. You don't like fighting in hockey? I don't like staged fighting in hockey, but sometimes you got to take the bully out back that's and you got to pop him in the nose. Good and fight. that's what Carl Anthony Towns did last yeah, night. Yeah, two things. First, I th- I think he was just trying. I think he's the type of guy who tries to take the high road. When people take the low road against him, he's a guy who tries to take the, take the high road, and I can respect that, but he was pushed to a limit. And also, I think he's trying to assert himself this year, not, not only as the leader of his team, but in the NBA, as a dominant force and somebody who is not to be reckoned with. And I forgot the second point that I was about to make. What was the last thing you said, Phil? It was off your last point. I said sometimes you got to take the bully up back and oh, yeah. pop him in the no, nose. No, no, it was about people calling you a hypocrite. Because I okay. felt I felt like a hypocrite looking at this and, go, and, and cheering Cat on and saying he needs to do this. But it's the same as, it's the same approach that I take to baseball. Like, I'm not going to throw a baseball at you because I'm offended that you pimped a home run. I'm not going to throw a baseball at you because you tried to throw inside and it got away and you hit a batter by accident. I don't feel a need to retaliate to that. But if you're trying, if you're if you're trying to hurt one of my guys, if I if you were throwing at one of my guys intentionally, if you slide into a base with bad intentions, or if you're just trying to disrespect me in some way, I feel like yeah, that's that's a time where you have to show people that you don't that you don't sit back and take stuff like that mm-hmm. because that matters when it comes to the competitive edge of sports. When people know they can push you around, they will push you around. And this has been, I, I've been begging for this for how long, Phil, now? A year or so? I've been begging yeah. for him. And there's there's particular people. I mean, a year and a half was the Rocket Series, and right? Embiid, Butler. But, I mean, if you had done this, if if they had played Houston last night, and he had arbitrarily gotten sort of mad and gone after a guy, I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess. But 
the Embiid thing to me was was at least partially sort of pre-planned because Embiid's a bully. He's just going to bully. And and Butler's next, as far as I'm concerned. When, when the Wolves play down there, if I'm Towns, Butler looks at me cross-eyed. I'm punching him. You're going and I'm, and I'm taking and, and I'm taking the five. I'm taking the five he games. I'm, ta- I'm taking the five games, and I'm happy because here's the thing, though. Judd Solgan here for anti-bullying. Yeah, well, you got to punch the bully. You, you do. There, there are sometimes, especially in, in sports, but you know what? They lost last night. Philadelphia is a really good team. They're, right now, they are a superior team to you. But a year ago in January, you went and played the same team. Butler was there at the time. You got blown off the floor. I believe Cat had something like 13 points and five boards. Just embarrassing. And the Wolves slinked away. Oh, woe is us. Poor us, man. It's been so tough. And Butler Butler gives, what, a bottle of expensive champagne or wine to Ryan, to which I, I would have slammed on the ground and said, get out of here. But the point being is they slinked away. And it was embarrassing. They lost last night. But guess what? It was a formative step. If this team is going to go in the direction, which is galvanized, which is... This is not, hey, it's Carl Anthony Townsend and Wiggy's team. This is Cat's team. This is just his team. And he has to be the guy. If Covington had got mad last night, nobody really cares. If uh, Jeff T got mad, okay, that's great. Nobody cares. But to me, th- this was potentially pre-planned to a certain degree to say, we need to take steps here. And last night, and, and it's very hockey, I get that. But last night's a very important step towards, yeah, we lost, but somebody at least, a very important person, put their foot down and said, the BS ends right now. Yeah. As the leader of the franchise. Correct. I mean, the captain. He's yes. the captain of the team. Yeah. You know, it, by the way, this is, uh, I'll play this clip and then we can also open up phone lines. What did you think of Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid? Did, did Carl Anthony Towns, did he score points in your mind last night? Is the question six five one six four six eight two five five? Like in a wrestling sense, like takedown two points. <laughs> he, he did get a takedown. Yes, right? he did. Yeah. And then, by the way, Ben Simmons, yeah, look, you yeah. coward, Ben Simmons. And Thank I don't you. mean to be like Homer fan guy here, but no, dude, right. dude, Charles Anthony Towns is yeah. laying on the ground, and you're going to just get five, behind him and choke him. I give him five games. Like what? What are you doing? I give him five games. That was the most egregious act on the court last night. Yep. Yeah, that was worse than anything Cat or Embiid did. Yeah, and by the way, the referees didn't sus- or didn't didn't kick Ben Simmons out of the game because they thought he was playing peacemaker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. how stupid are they? He's literally he's literally got Carl Anthony Towns in a Boston crab, like <laughs> choking him out in the he's- name of peace. In the name of how peace, do you though? watch that replay though and come away saying that? I don't know, man. Super weird. I'm telling you right now, if I'm Carl Anthony Towns and I'm still fired up after that game about what went down, Ben Simmons is the dude I'm looking for. It's not even Embiid. I'm looking for Ben Simmons. I want a piece of him. Yeah. This was Adrian Wojnarowski back and choke me on uh, the league reaction to the fight. Greeny, what's going to be interesting is are the Sixers, you know, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you know, the officials after the game declared Ben Simmons as a peacemaker in this <laughs> altercation. That is not, I'm told, how Minnesota saw that, the <laughs> chokehold he had on Pounds when he was laying on the floor, how the league interprets that, evaluates that, and then you know, the press conference after, the social media late into the evening is that factored into the penalty intent, any kind of contrition uh, about what happens, this is going to be uh, an interesting one for the league to sort out, but I think you're looking at multiple games, probably for both players, you know, does Embiid and Simmons, does Simmons get any kind of discipline in this, but clearly Embiid and Towns uh, are going to miss multiple games. 
Yeah, and yeah, Simmons needs to miss the most games. Yeah, you could argue that the the first part of the confrontation was like two guys tussling and and it just like emotions boiled over. The second part of the tussle was a calculated chokehold by Ben Simmons. Yeah, you're a clown, dude. In in the name of peace, though. That's what I, that's what I love. What is wrong with officiating, umpiring, and refereeing across sports right now? <laughs> Honest to God, are you people even close to being competent? Dude, I mean, it's amazing. Also, you want to talk about fake tough guys, which is what that's what Joel Embiid is calling Carl Anthony Towns. The two fakest tough guys in the NBA are Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, two guys who act like they are Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Yet two guys who've never in their careers gone past the second round of the playoffs. So Embiid was chirping at Towns in the comment section saying, oh, that picture of me crying, that was from the playoffs, bro. It's like, dude, you don't get to toot your playoff horn. You've never been past the second round of the playoffs. So stop acting like you're Kobe Bryant in his prime for a second. This is why I go after Butler, because I don't think he's nearly as tough as you guys. Uh, both those guys have also like never played full seasons in their careers because they're not tough enough to stay on the court. I'm just throwing out facts. Like right. you can't talk you're right like a tough guy. Co- you're right when it comes to championships, and I think Joel Embiid is a fake tough guy. I don't think he knows how to punch. I think he showed us last night he didn't know how to punch. What was that? When he was shadow boxing on his way back to the locker room, <laughs> I like, told you, like, the the like the Fighting Irish well, logo. I don't know what that was, but I saw that and I was like, oh, that's why he didn't want a real fight but like jimmy butler is he's not faking it when with the tough guy act you're right he's never won any championships he can't talk from a competitor standpoint but from a tough guy standpoint not too many tougher in the nba than jimmy butler if you ask me i'd chest it out i'd find out (laughs) i'd find out here's his other problem i'm not saying my guess is he would be very surprised i bet you if carl anthony towns no no i bet you if carl anthony towns (laughs) Started a fight with Butler. I bet you the amount of Heat players that would come out and help Jimmy would be zero. There might be guys who might Miller. I don't think anybody would risk a suspension. Seriously. I, I think that Jimmy Butler, he thinks he leads. The only thing I I see is a guy who's despised. I think Jimmy Butler would be very surprised that it would be the Wolves trying to help Cat and Jimmy Butler standing there alone. The, the the only regret I have about all of this is that the six the the, the seventy sixers play in the Eastern Conference and so you only play them twice a year March, and there's dude. zero chance of a playoff matchup between the two it's of them. It's gonna be six months yeah. before we see part two of this. Do you think Carl Anthony Towns has a photo of Joel Embiid <laughs> in his mirror like like Rocky and Rocky Four bag? Forget oh, like a dart a dartboard type of thing. Where Did you guys see the video? It was circulating a few months ago, but it's circulating again today because of what happened last night of Cat in the boxing gym training. No. Dude, it's a terrifying sight. Like, that's a dude who knows how to throw punches. A guy, He's been pre- he prepared for last <laughs> night yes. all summer. Yes. I'll find he it. He knew. He's drawn a line in the sand. I'll good go, for him. Go ahead and take the call. I'll find it. Somebody tweeted at me today. I'll show you guys in a second. He he knows how to, I mean, yeah. he knows how to train to fight. That doesn't always translate to knowing how to fight, but I'll tell you, he knows how to train to fight. Sage football wisdom in about 10 minutes or so. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. 651-646-8255. We're talking about... This uh, this brawl between Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns last night. Do you feel like Carl Anthony Towns scored some points with the league, with fans, with his team? 651-646-8255. Randy in Cottage Grove. What's going on, Randy? Well, first of all, uh, uh, happy Halloween. Um, Same you too, man. It's a big day. It's a good drinking holiday. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Agreed. Number, number one thing you're doing when you're starting a fight 
is you're setting a tone, okay? You're setting a tone and you're saying, this ain't going to fly. Not in, not in my house, okay? And, and, and last night, I didn't watch it, but I gather from what you say that, uh, that they, 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 they had a big, a big tussle. And that's good. You know, every year, every year, the first week of bowling, I find, I find somebody and someone on our team kicks someone else's ass. And hey, bowling. You just, yeah, you need to set a tone. Okay, you need to go out there and you say, "I don't, I don't like the way you uh, kind of took an extra little peek at that spare as that as that uh, seven pin fell down. I don't like that." I don't, and, and and when you 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 do that, you get in their head and you let them know this is uh, this is my lane. Same for softball. Okay, somebody wants to chirp, and they can chirp. Let them chirp a little bit, and then when they go to use the the uh, the, the biffy, tip it over. Okay, tip it over and 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 just set a tone. Were they going to use that oh, Randy? Were they going to use what? The 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 John. The oh, Biffy. okay, all right. The party. Who is who am I speaking to? This is Robbie. Okay, uh, Romney. The, when they use the porta biffy and, and they go in, they shut the door. You, it only takes two three guys to give it a good shove, and it's sure. over. Okay, yeah. it is over, and they will never chirp again. You're gonna chirp again? No. So right now, you. I guarantee you, right now, this Embies uh, uh, is in. He's Towns is in his head. Okay, and next time they play. Mm. He's going to be thinking more about that fight than he is about getting getting whooped, getting his ass whooped on the court. And that's what it's about now. He set him up. It's sleight of hand. It's like a magician says, look over here. Uh-uh. Okay, now you're thinking about the fight? Boom. We got you. Okay. So I like it. I think anytime you can be a, a guy who says, I'm going to kick your ass, and you mean it, and you back it up, you own the room. Skull. <laughs> Biffy? Oh wait, hold on. Let me got back out for a second. Biffy? No. Oh yeah. Hold it's on. Like, no. Wait, wait. You've never heard Biffy? Never heard Biffy? Oh, what do you biff? call it? Huh? A biff? Biff? B i f f? No. It's like a porta potty. Yeah, a biff. Yeah. I just always called it a porta potty. No. That's or or biffy. A, or a John or a John is I've Biff John is Biff confined to us? I think so. I think so. it's like Here? the company huh. that like a bubbler owns them, isn't Milwaukee. It? I think that's a Wisconsin or a Minnesota thing. Like bubbler so, is in Wisconsin. Yeah, you guys yeah, know what a weird. bubbler what is in Wisconsin? Water, yeah, so water, water fountain. Water fountain. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. why? Hmm. I don't know, man. Why is uh? I mean, it's in the dictionary. Why is a soda biffy? Coke and vice versa? Hmm. It's in the dictionary. Yeah. You know, I've never thought biffy? about that with uh, with bowling before. That's what I was going to ask about the bowling. Kind of pisses me off too when someone goes on a little run and they they stare you down after they're third or fourth spare or stare down the strike yeah like just hang on it a little too long or when they look away so oh. when you the fight? ball's halfway oh. down they look away when do you fight they know it's a strike oh. what if they hold the pose you you gotta wait till they till they turn so around they don't see you when do you get behind them hey you when they turn around you're just sitting just right like there you get right, right up there and you yeah deck them yeah hmm. six five one six four six eight two five five if you want to chime in here by mm. the way here's another thing too i feel like this is I don't think we need brawls every night in the NBA necessarily. I don't think it needs to go to like '80s NHL. No, but, but the LeBron James era of the NBA has become so friendly, right? Where I know we just played a hard-fought seven-game series in the playoffs, but now we're all in a private jet drinking wine. And together, the rivalries right? aren't real. Yeah, it drives me crazy. But I, now you got. I love this. Giannis is saying he doesn't want any friends in the NBA until he's done playing because he doesn't. He and want... Marcus Smart got into it last night. Do you yeah. see that? Yeah, Giannis and Marcus Smart. And Bede and Cat genuinely hate each other with a fire. This isn't just like, oh, we got we don't like each other on the court. There's a personal hatred between the two of them. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's in that mix. I love it. We're kind of going back to the when's the last time we had real bad blood between multiple guys, superstars like this? Eight or nineties, right? 
Probably like early two thousand, early early two thousands. But here's what I love too: I love genuine sports hate. Like this is genuine. Yeah. This is old school. This yeah. is people that legitimately are really good at what they do and hate each other's guts. Well, who who were the last guys wired like that? Kobe was definitely Kobe for sure. But Kobe didn't have that many people that really wanted to mess with Kobe. I think Tim Tim Duncan had a little. Actually, KG was wired like this. K, KG That's might true. be the last vestige of that era where he would just fight anybody. Remember. That Denver Nuggets series, great, yeah. I think it was like Frances, uh, uh, Francisco Elson, the backup center for the Nuggets in that oh, yeah. playoff series, where he just like they were just fighting every game in that series. Like KG doesn't care if you're a superstar or the third guy off the bench; he'll fight you. I'll fight you. By the way, yeah. Chad tweets in to at Score North at Phil Mackey at Rami is tweeting at Jay Zolgad says Embiid had said he grew up fighting lions, but when you watch that fight, does that look like a guy who's fought a lion? <laughs> I had people legit <laughs> tweeting me last night. Like, you think Embiid is scared? He fought lions. Like, you really bought that crap, dude? You really believe that Joel Embiid grew up fighting lions? This is something that people are buying, because Joel Embiid said it. Like, I've seen video footage of Khabib, the UFC fighter, wrestling bears as a kid. That's real. That happened. And that makes him a different breed. He's wired differently than the rest of us. Joel Embiid does not know how to throw a punch and wasn't looking for a fight yesterday. He wanted to hang on and tussle. And when it came time to really get down to it, he resorted to what they teach you in self-defense class when you're desperate against an assailant, which is stick a thumb in any orifice you can find <laughs> and start gouging. That's what Joel Embiid did yesterday. Like the only thing he's fought in his life is the Velcro on a knee brace. Like... <laughs> Come on, I've done man. that a lot. Come on. Let's go to Michael in Prior Lake. You're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Thanks for taking my call. I love your guys' show. I'm actually converted from the FM sports station over to AM, so I appreciate it. Right on, man. We appreciate that. But, yeah. you know, cool, we love Cool 108, so it's a good station. So <laughs> give them some love. Yeah. As an old yeah, guy, I want to say I agree with you. It's What makes sports fun is I have a team you love, but equally I have teams you hate. And the mm-hmm. old, like, I, I'm an old Lakers guy. I used to love the Lakers-Celtics series back in the 80s. That was good stuff. Um, I think what happened yesterday was great for the Wolves. We've been the Cleveland Browns of the NBA for decades, and it's nice to see a little bit of backbone. I love the fact that we had a little fire in our belly, and I also thought Embiid looked like an idiot as he walked off the court pandering to the crowd. He's a thug. and He's a fake. I mean, anybody who gets in a fight and acts like a tougher guy after the fight than when they're in the middle of it is a wiener. So yeah. anyway, not a fan. He's also, thank you, Michael, and thank you for the kind words. He's also pandering to the dumbest sports crowd in America, too, the Philadelphia Eagles. Seriously. They like fighting. They like Brian Street Blowing up in 3 2 1. Well, like when the Vikings, and obviously the Vikings got punked in the NFC Championship game, so, you know, we got, we, we got a full spoonful that Monday from Eagles fans. But Eagles fans were calling in from. All different corners of the country the week leading up to Vikings Eagles NFC Championship game. It was like every guy named Angelo with an accent and a 14 <laughs> oh, IQ. Oh, they, they got really, really hot. <laughs> and I like how Embiid, after the game, tweets out all those pictures of him walking away from the fight victoriously. When And I put these, like, I quote tweeted him with some of these pictures. Twitter was riddled with pictures of him flailing, making facial expressions, like like <laughs> wincing at the thought of Carl Anthony Towns hitting him, getting put into a headlock. Like if he had posted any picture from the altercation himself, he looks like a punk. So he he tweeted pictures of him walking away from a fight he lost victoriously. It's hilarious. Let's take one more call on this here. We got about a minute left here. Chris in Prescott, Wisconsin. Go ahead, Chris. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. 
I got I got two things for you. First one, I agree with you about the fake tough man. I mean, he lets Jeff Teague pull him off the tile. Uh, off the tile. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Uh, what the NBA thinks about his image alone. I mean, after the fight, he's sitting there beatboxing and chest bumping with his teammates, trying to rile up the crowd. I mean, isn't there some anti-bullying campaign that the NBA has going on here? Plus, I think they put a beat on the cover of the NBA 2K19. I mean, I just I don't think that's very good for his image. Yeah, thank thank you, thank you for the call, Chris. That's a, that's a good point. A point guard pulled you off the pile, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, he wasn't gonna tough be. guy. Jeff Teague tackled him off the pile. Danny made the point today. I didn't know this. Jeff Teague is apparently the biggest wrestling fan in the NBA. He is, yeah. And he just ran in there like he was coming down the ramp (laughs) (laughs) to save his tag team partner who was in an individual match. Stone Cold! Oh my God, is that Jeff Teague's music? (laughs) By God! It's amazing. When's the last time that you actually watched the Wolves get drilled and felt like they accomplished something, though? That's a good question. I mean, never, maybe never. I don't know. I mean, this was actually <laughs> actually you what thought, the score was last night. That's the point. Yeah, like they lost really badly. And they they aren't close to the Sixers class, and yet you feel like okay, but they did something. Yeah. Well, they stood up for them. Carl Anthony yeah. Towns been getting clowned for three years. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Yep. One of the most talented players in the NBA, and he just he just has a bunch of Neanderthals like Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid clowning on him for no reason and. He lashed out last night. So uh, we can come back to this maybe later on the show, but that was that was a fun start to the show. Sage Rosenfels joins us for some sage football wisdom in advance of Chiefs-Vikings when we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North app. Federated Insurance has been here as a partner of the Mackie and Judd with Rami show and also a proud sponsor of U of M Athletics and Turnovers for Kids. So in uh, in in their charity work, as part of it, Federated Mutual Insurance Company donates $1,000 to Big Brothers and Big Sisters for every forced turnover by the Gophers' defense. Be nice to force a couple turnovers next weekend against Penn State. In fact, you might have to force a couple turnovers if you want to win that game and uh, remain undefeated. But when you see turnovers, think Federated Insurance, think Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and uh, the charity work that Federated does. Federated's been around for over 100 years based in Owatonna, Minnesota, helping business owners just like you listening out there. You can find a full list of industries that Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com, where you can also find more information about your local Federated marketing representative. Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll keep it simple here. We'll remind you about something on our podcast network. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every, every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand right now, anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. Speaking of Sage Rosenfels, you can join him right now for Sage Football Wisdom right here on Mackey and Judd with Rami. Mackey and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And every Thursday, we sit down with our friend, journeyman quarterback extraordinaire, Sage Rosenfels, for some Sage football wisdom. And uh, Sage, is it is it fair to say that the second half of the schedule, which starts this weekend for the Vikings, whether Pat Mahomes plays or not, the Chiefs are a good team. That, that that a six and two start is nice, but there's a lot of tests to be uh, to be taken here for the Vikings starting right now on Sunday. 
Well, this is one of those games that you looked at at the beginning of the season and you were concerned about. Uh, the Chiefs had just uh, barely lost in the AFC Championship game to the eventual champion New England Patriots in, in a great football game. Obviously, the explosive offense uh, with, with the athletes, a receiver and tight end, and, and obviously their quarterback. Uh, that that it, it, you know, very very scary on the schedule. Now you're looking at them, you say the Vikings should win this game, and and uh, and not just because the quarterback is out, but because this team does have some flaws. Their defense isn't very good. They, they, in particular, they don't stop the run well. Uh, you know, but but obviously the the quarterback position is a, a big difference. And Matt Moore is a good quarterback. I I will say, as far as backups are concerned, I, I would put him in the top. You know, third or. Uh, you know, maybe even you know five, six of the backup guys that I'd want playing, and uh, you know I've sort of followed his career. He came out a year after me or so, and or, or a couple years after me, about five years after me, and and his play had a nice uh, long career, and and uh, he's one of those guys that can throw three touchdown passes in a game and really light it up, and but he'll also have games where he throws three interceptions too. So he's sort of a hot, cold quarterback, and and played very well last week uh, in a close loss to the Packers. So Sage, how, how much do you? admire like uh or, or watch a guy like Moore who what played against you guys actually started i believe for carolina in that uh 2009 game where brad was going to pull brett oh uh, yes but more importantly then i think he was coaching and teaching high school football or something like that in the past year or so and andy reed calls him it's like you don't want to be retired come and play when when you hear stories like that, do you ever sort of think back to yourself, man, that's sort of the, the dream of a journeyman quarterback, to be pulled back into the game when you think you're done, and the next thing you know, you're starting games for the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, it is amazing, and about it, what is it, it's October, so about a year and a half, less than a year and a half ago, you know, the College World Series is in Omaha every year, it's in late June, uh, and it's around Father's Day weekend, and and uh, I was obviously in town, I live in Omaha, and, and Matt Moore was in town, I noticed on, well, I, I, we're sort of, we, you know, we played for two weeks together, so we were end up still staying <laughs> friends, and we follow each other on Instagram, and you know, that whole world of social media, and and I noticed that he was coming because uh, um, Oregon State was playing in the College World Series. So he and I met up for dinner and, and had a nice night together. And he was retired. He had been retired since the end of the season. So he's about four months in. And he's there working with the university, uh, his alma mater, in some sort of capacity. I knew he was going to coach a little high school football and you know, he was done. I, I see pictures of him fishing and hanging out with his family and going on some trips and and in those types of things. And next thing I know, uh, you know, he gets signed, uh, you know, at, not even like in the off season. You know, he gets signed when the season started and, and you know, pat, uh, backing up Patrick Mahomes. And, and he goes out there with probably almost no reps, uh, you know, with the ones the entire you know time he's been there and, and played pretty well uh, in his opening game. And, and uh, again, he's a guy, he's a natural, he's a, he's, he's a very good athlete uh, and he's got a strong arm. He's a pretty accurate thrower and, and he's got a lot of guts. And, and I think you know offenses have always sort of played well around him. I think that you know he's a very likable guy. The offensive line likes him, and and uh, he sort of has that uh, uh, what I call a sense of urgency when he plays. And Drew Brees sort of has that too. This sort of you know he can't wait to get to the next play, and you can sort of see that the way he walks around the field. And and uh, you know he has got an eighty-one point two quarterback rating over the course of his career, which you would say is not great, but this is what concerns me. My QB rating over my career was eighty one point two. So, wow, look at you. So he's, uh, you know, there's a chance that he could uh, play really well. There's a chance he could play poorly, sort of like my career. 
You know, it seems like every year, Sage, there's a new hot young offensive mind in the NFL. Of course, Sean McVay last year, Kyle Shanahan seems to be the guy this year. And I think people forget how how brilliant an offensive mind Andy Reid is. And then you're reminded, I mean, everything you just said about Matt Moore is true, but he's no Patrick Mahomes. And they went shot for shot with the Packers after getting down two scores early in that game last week. And I, I think, I don't know about you, that was that was a lot due and thanks to Andy Reid and some, some really fine play calling and play scripting. Well, this is nothing new. Yeah, Andy, you read. It's funny as as you say these, you know, the hot young coaches and Matt Lafleur's one of them. He it really he really actually starts with Kyle Shanahan, uh, who was my receivers coach in Houston, then quarterbacks coach, then coordinator, and, and he t- took the Gary Kubiak system and brought it to another level. Sean McVay worked for him. Matt Lafleur worked for him, uh, and they're the hot young coaches in the league that you know get a lot of a lot of praise. But Andy Reid's been doing this for a long time, and and you know he's an old school West Coast coach that has very much evolved in a lot of ways and for you know 20 plus years now quarterbacks whether they're starters or backups or you know third stringers get in there for some reason they have almost always played well it's really impressive and he's a great designer of plays i think he understands defense and you know probably most importantly as an old offensive lineman himself uh, he uh, does a great job. He's always done a great job with offensive line, whether it's game planning, technique, pass blocking, uh, his lines, you know, drafting, how, whatever. His lines have generally been sort of top half lines in the league, if not better. And 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 I like their offensive line and the way they're. You can just sort of tell the way they're coached and, and the way they play. They know what they're doing. So uh, he does a great job. Whether his starter is out, like McNabb was out for a lot of times, and and now uh, Pat Mahomes is out. Uh, but when the backups come in, AJ Feely and, and all these guys down the line in Philly, and and they just seem to come in and, and play really well. And uh, you know we'll, we'll see how Matt Moore plays against this very very good defense on Sunday. But here's here's my beef and I think it's pretty much everyone's beef. I I will say Andy Reid I think is one of the greatest coaches in in the four major professional sports to never have won a championship, but he's also a classic example of a football coach that spends 99% of his time on X's nose and scheming and and 1% if not 0% on game management, clock management, timeout management. Why is it that such an important thing, the last four minutes of a game, your timeout conservation, do coaches just not put a lot of stock into that? I mean, there's, there's, I know that teams now have managers on the sideline that are helping with that, but it still seems like coaches make a lot of dumb decisions across college and, and NFL. If they were to just have like a Madden player standing next to them, they wouldn't make. <laughs> well, one, you know, football is a game of situations where it's first and ten or third and two, uh, or you know first play of the game or or last play of the fourth quarter everything's a, a different situation with different meaning and the end of games are there is a lot going on uh and it it's got to be more challenging for a uh, a head coach who's involved in whether it's offense or defense calling the plays but also dealing with you know the precision of the clock and timeouts and and all the situations that could happen in those last uh minutes or, or seconds of a ball game uh and so it's a lot and i think you know belichick does a great job but also he's he hasn't called the plays in a while, and I think that really helps him really focus in uh, and, and sort of be prepared in his mind mentally uh, of all the different, you know, the next play is coming up. We could throw a touchdown. We could throw an incomplete. We could throw a completion. The clock's running. Our quarterback gets sacked. Our, you know, all, all these things can, I, I think, Belichick 
goes through all those in his mind really, really fast, even the things that you probably never thought would happen. He'll go through those things and, and sort of have a plan probably, you know, before the ball's even snapped, and, and I think he does a better job than that than anybody. And Andy Reid, I think because a lot of times he's calm plays, uh, hasn't always been great at that aspect of the game. Hmm. Uh, Sage, to, uh, to Phil's question then, give me the best coach and the worst coach that you played for in terms of those things, in terms of you know when the pressure was on, timeouts had to be called or shouldn't be called. Who was the best orchestrator of that that you saw and who was the worst that you saw? I would say... You know, the, the Kubiak sort of Shanahan, you know, I said my, my last year in Houston, Kyle was our offensive coordinator. Those two, uh, and, you know, again, I was a backup a lot of times, and so I, I like to stand next to the play caller. Uh, and sometimes that was Kubiak, and at the end of that season, that was Kyle. And I loved listening to them, obviously, you know, calling the play, but then they'd flip switches to, like, the other coaches, and they're talking about that stuff, you know, uh, you know, for, whether it's between, the, you know, Coobs and, and Kyle or people upstairs or all the things that might happen, that those guys were great. And, um, uh, and, and I think, you know, Gary is a very sort of level-headed person. He doesn't uh, – there, there's probably videos you can find online of, like, the, the Broncos scoring touchdowns on a big moment of the game and him not losing his cool, just sort of pretty stoic sometimes on the sideline. And so uh, he's such an even-keeled guy, and I'm sure you guys recognize that whenever you've interviewed him, that I think he brought – uh, you know, a level of, you know, make the best decision that, that makes the most sense, you know, type of, you know, uh, value to the conversation. And so I would say the worst, uh, probably Ch- Childress. I mean, he's probably the worst. Um, another one that was good was, was Coughlin. Tom Coughlin was really good. Really? Uh, he, he actually, yeah, he actually, and I don't know how it went, you know, the course of his career, if Giants fans would say he wasn't very good, but I, I will say this. Every Saturday morning, our we had a quarterback meeting, and before that, we had a 30-minute Tom Coughlin quarterback meeting. Maybe it was even an hour, and it was just Eli and myself and Coughlin. Uh, I don't even think the 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 offensive uh, the quarterback's coach was in there. He might have been in there, uh, but but Tom would go over various plays that happened around. He'd have he'd have the video guys make up a 15-play tape of various things that happen around the league in different two-minute drills. You know, oh, here's a really good two-minute drill of the Patriots ran versus the Chiefs last week, and let's see how it played out. And he'd sort of go through it and talk about what we would do if we were in that situation. And um, and we would talk about what we would do, you know, inside the five-yard line with a minute left, yet, you know, the Bears got hit with this last week where they had 25 seconds left. Second down, they ran the ball from the one-yard line, didn't get it, and they had to clock it to kick the field goal from the one and not run that fourth down play. I mean, they wasted. That's a situation where uh, I promise you, Coughlin say, "Hey, second down, we'll throw the ball. If we don't get it, we'll be able to. It'll be incomplete. We'll have 20 seconds left. We'll run the ball on third down. And if we don't get it, we'll have enough time for the fast field goal team to run out there and kick basically what's an old school extra point. Uh, they don't have to have you know all times of time to use. So we knew exactly how much time for everything, and and Tom was very very thorough. Whether that you know occurred in actual games, I was only there for a year. We didn't have a lot of those situations, but he was very good as well. Boy, you hate to see that with the Bears. You'd be really be sad. He's happy are, to be a Bears fan. He's got their both over here giving yeah. me crap-eating grins <laughs> as you go well, through you know, the, I forgot that that happened in that game. That's too he, here's what's interesting. I didn't. 
Because I was by screaming way, at my TV. <laughs> but we're, we're talking, yeah, right. We're talking about. And by the way, they also ran a draw on third nine. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. They had a, they had a, they had two receivers. Keep going, Sage. It's great. I, I I broke this down for the score uh, in or, uh, yeah, they're the score in Chicago the other day. They had a third nine, um, and they had three running backs in the game. They had twenty five. Uh, they had uh, Tariq Cohen, and then they had David Montgomery split out as a receiver. So it was sort of like a three receiver set two running backs, split backs in the backfield. Mm. Third nine from the nine, and they run a draw to Cohen. Boy. Like, like they have three running backs in the game. Like, it just doesn't make any sense yeah. uh, why would rough. they would do such a thing. But, you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, that Matt Nagy came from Andy Reid, who you started off with, like, may not, maybe not always the best situational head coach. And as a, you know, senior offensive consultant on that coaching staff is... Brad Childress. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt, How the world uh, comes full circle. And in the NFL, sometimes it stays in. in the division. <laughs> put a third running back in. Uh, I'm not enjoying this interview right now. <laughs> yeah, if we stuff. go five running backs, they don't know which one's going to carry the ball. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation with four friends. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Rami. <laughs> hey, Sid, since we're talking about play calling and things of the like, you were in the building recently, and you did uh, like a whiteboard tutorial with uh, with Collar mm-hmm. in our in our conference room here. And I saw the play. I saw the play after you left and the the name of the play was across the top are those complicated just for the sake of being complicated because i played offensive line and defensive line in high school and i sucked at offensive line because i just couldn't remember the plays or digest the names of the plays defense it was like know your gap get in the gap chase the ball that's it that's your job on defense are they complicated just for the sake of being complicated the names of these plays no no, not at all it drives me nuts no i I think um I don't don't think it was ever complicated just to be complicated. I think sometimes people just overcomplicate things. I mean, Jason Garrett, one of my favorite quotes is, the smartest people in the world take complex situations and make them simple. And sometimes the dumbest people in the world take simple situations and make them overly complex. So we are dealing with football coaches, so there's a vast array of smart and dumb, right? And (laughs) I think the very, very smart ones and and the, the really good ones have done a great job of cutting back as much information as you can, but at the end of the day, I mean, football is a complex sport. You can't walk up there and just say, hey, guys, run play four. Uh, you have to actually you know, go through. Which teams do in two minutes, by the way? Right. Teams in two minutes will have 10 or 15 plays. You'll know, see the quarterback just hold out a number four, and that means something. Uh, obviously, and everyone sort of memorizes those. But in the real thing, you, you have you got to realize you have a formation. Sometimes you have a shift. Right, that has to have a name. What type of shift is it? And is it from a bunch over here to a double stack? Is it, you know, is it to a two by two into a three by one? Is it a motion across? But it's a motion across. He's going to stop, and we're going to do a double count, right? So there's just this, you know, shifts in motion aspect. There's the actual formation itself. There is the protection. I uh, have to tell the line. This is the type of protection we're going to use. In this protection, you're going to block. Uh, the Mike linebacker with the four down lineman in this protection, you're going to slide out to the will linebacker with the four down lineman. You know what I mean? And, and tell where the running backs go. And they all have different names and, and, you know, different things that describe them, uh, whether it's right or left. And, and then you also obviously have the actual pass pattern itself. And sometimes you can just throw out a word that sort of describes it. Uh, and then other times you have to maybe tag people. Uh, because they might, it might be a word plus an individual person over here, and we could put a post on it, we could put a comeback on it, put an individual route on it, and we want to tag that person and give them an individual responsibility. So, there, you know, it's just a, the problem is it looks so confusing because you're like, what does all this mean? Yeah. 
it's just like when we look at you know French and go like this looks really confusing. What does all this mean? <laughs> and to be honest, it's not you know there, there's a reason for everything. They really try to uh, you know not you know, wait. They used to waste more words. I, I had Gus Farad on. Uh, we had him on last week on on Collar's show. And you know back in the old Gary Kubiak, uh, uh, Mike Shanahan offense in Denver, which he played in, um, he, they used to say like double right. Uh, fake 18 quarterback hand a- handoff or, or fake 18 handoff quarterback keep left and then whatever the route combination was. Wow. Like, why would you say quarterback keep left? Just say like naked left, right? Like, That's so what I would say. we cut that For down. Sure. Yeah, we cut fun. that down, but that was some of that old school. Like, I don't know. That's just the way they did it, and they but they do cut back as much as they can. And you know, I remember you know Derek Dooley was our tight ends coach when I was with Nick Saban. In Miami, he went up to be what the, the the Tennessee head coach for a while, and and somewhere else. But you know, he used to say like, "I don't." We would try to come up with a name for a play. You know, like what we should, what should we name this play? And he was the like, annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah, I don't care if we call it. Old, <laughs> you would say, "I don't care if we call it Old Brown Shoe." As long as everyone knows what Old Brown Shoe means, it doesn't really matter what we call it, right? So, you know, they use these words and like drive and bingo cross and all these you know various words, but they're really just trying to find ways to describe things. You know, based off of, you know, if there's a post in it, they might have a P word. If there's a, you know, and then there's codes and there's two minute and at the line and all these things. You want to be able to try to call stuff as much as you can at the lines. And uh, so it does, you know, it, it goes from like French into like Chinese, like a foreign language into another foreign language. And, and that, you know, then it looks like a, a crazy mess when you look at it on, on a board you know, sometimes if, if you read the, uh, the play call. I finally figured out, and maybe I'm late to the party on this. I'm sure Sage knows what it is, but I was watching Peyton's Places on, on ESPN Plus, mm-hmm. and he was talking just different play calls and different things. And somebody asked him on the show, I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked him, you always used to say Omaha. What did Omaha mean? Because he said there was an over-under for one of the Super Bowl prop yeah. bets. How it was like 35, how many, yeah. and he actually went away from it altogether. Yeah. But Omaha is just, hey, we called two plays in the huddle. This is play number one. If I say Omaha, it means we're ditching play number one and going to play number two. So he might say Omaha, Omaha, and then call for the ball, and everyone knows, like, oh, we're, we're doing the second play that we called in the huddle. Interesting. Well, it means a lot of things. So. When I was with Eli in New York after leaving the Vikings in 2010, that was the first place I had heard the Omaha phrase. And I think, and then after that, actually, Peyton started using it. So maybe he and Eli played golf in the offseason, and Peyton said, what is that Omaha thing you're doing? Basically, what was going on in New York, our offense was so complicated. I mean, you're talking about like what you saw on the board the other day, I write past 15-week ex, uh, ex-burner, I That's think. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, there it is. And you sat there like, what, what is that? In <laughs> New York, it was, you got to realize, in New York, uh, when I got there, Eli was drafted in 2004. Kevin Gilbride, I believe, was the quarterback's coach and then became the coordinator, and now it's 2010. So these guys have been together for seven years. So our, you know, like play sheet menu just kept building and building and building and building and eli could you know he was so good and they gave a lot of responsibility to the quarterback sort of like how peyton had it sort of like not like how the vikings do it because in this offense the quarterback doesn't have to do all these things but in this offense the quarterback had to tell the line hey it's a three down front and so and so is the mic oh wait wait they just moved the linebacker you know stood up and now there's four down it's a four down front uh, and he's the mic, and, and they, 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 you're constantly 
orchestrating this for everybody. You're telling everybody what to do. You're pointing out to the receivers who the hot guy is. If he comes, I'm throwing hot. I mean, you're doing all this stuff, and then you change the play, and you have to do it again. You know, if I audible to a different protection, I still have to tell the line who the mic is. I mean, it was just a lot. Well, what what happened was there'd be like three seconds on the play clock, and Eli would look up and be like, ooh, we got to snap the ball. I can I have to stop with all this, telling everybody what to do. We need to snap the ball or else we're going to get a delay of game. And so they came up with the phrase Omaha, Omaha, which basically means it, whatever was going on, he says Omaha, Omaha, snap the football. Yeah. And it sort of ended this whole, you know, rigmarole conversation. And then, of course, Eli, or I'm sorry, Peyton was doing the same thing. But then they would sort of Omaha, Omaha, and and uh, and then the hard count it, you know. So in the huddle would be like a fake Omaha. So you get up there and do wow. this whole thing and Omaha, Omaha, so hut. Next level and then, Omaha. So, yeah, because people would try to you know jump the Omaha <laughs> or, or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> they would know. They would know over time because it's interesting when you watch film. Um, the def- the coaches will also watch the TV version with the volume turned up, and they want to hear. Yep. Sometimes in the background, what the quarterback is saying or what the defensive made. You can hear these things on live television sometimes, and, and they try to put these pieces together. They're also looking for, uh, uh, you know, DBs, you know, doing things with their hands, which could mean like a coverage, uh, or, or whatever. And you, you know, try, you're always trying to find things on film that aren't just schematic. It's sometimes it's actually verbal communication and, and noise, and sometimes it's it's the, so the hand communication the DBs have. So uh, it's interesting how you know simple the game looks on TV. As my sister says, why do the running backs always just run to the big big pile of mush? <laughs> you know, like, why don't they why run do around they it? Why do they always run into the – I've wondered that myself. Why, why don't they just run, run around, around it? Yeah. And why don't they run trick plays more often? They always work. Oh man, that was that's a masterclass right there in football. Yes, Sage Rosenfels with some Sage football wisdom. You can find him every Monday and Wednesday too on Purple Daily at two o'clock with Matthew Collar, podcastable on the Score North app and also uh, on Apple or Spotify. All right, Sage, we'll see what happens with Kansas City, and then and then next week we'll be talking about at Dallas. So uh, it'll be a fun stretch of games here for the Vikings. We'll see Are you guys going to be down in Kansas City this weekend? Collar will be. Collar will be. Okay, I'm going to head down there. Uh, it's about a three-hour drive from nice. here. I'm d- going to take my son on uh, on Sunday morning, so I have a little father-son day. I don't think uh, you know it, he doesn't look like Judd, so I can't like take Judd's media pass and give it to my son. Find him a seat in the uh, in the stands. I don't think uh, old Tommy West and Bob Hagen would be too happy about that if my uh, my son starts walking in uh, to the media room. But anyway, it should be a great game, and and hopefully uh, some decent weather and and uh, sort of a perfect early November football yes. football weekend so i'm lo- really looking forward to it should be a lot of vikings i mean can't say fans are great but it should be a decent amount of vikings fans there being just a six-hour drive straight south so should be a lot of fun omaha boys omaha omaha yeah. omaha all right bye sage bye. all right guys all right we'll come back we'll talk about the game seven of the world series and also what the twins can learn from the world series as they look to uh, bolster their squad here in the offseason but let's talk about tcl for just a moment here tcl america's fastest growing tv brand and I love how many Mackie and Jeb with Rami listeners have been emailing and tweeting photos of their TCL TV. So if you've got them, if you have recently purchased a TCL TV and you've set it up in your living room, maybe you've got the two TV set up, or maybe you're too lazy to install it, like Rami, who's been sitting on it for 10 months. Lazy. I'm just a procrastinator. Okay. Yeah, it's been 10 months. I'm busy. But uh, send us those those photos on social media. Just tweet me, at Phil Mackie, at Score North, S-K-O-R North. 
Uh, we just we love seeing the living room setups with the uh, the TCL TVs. The streaming channels I watch the most probably uh, ESPN Plus as of the last month or so. YouTube, WWE Network. You get access to five thousand plus streaming channels with the built-in Roku device on these TCL TVs, and it's our official TV for watching sports at Score North. TCLUSA.com or any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. As the Nationals are strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. As Hudson tries to close it out, it'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. See, that's what it could, that's what it could be like. If he just would have traded for pitching. Would Provis go that nuts? Would Provis like lose his mind? I don't know. And start screeching, and his voice would. Just... I loved your reactions when he started swinging miss. Because yeah. he, all he just had the like, he, he had a radio announcer voice. He did. But, uh, all of a sudden, he forgot about it. He forgot about it. <laughs> you all were just looking swing down at your laptops, just typing away, and all of a sudden, swinging a miss. You're like, what the? As the Nationals are a strike right. away from franchise history oh, and some oh, World oh. Series history. Oh yeah. As Hudson tries to close it out. All right. It'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's a totally different voice. He totally forgot about his radio voice. That reminds me a little bit of He should fire himself. He should fire himself. Nobody sounds like Quagmire. A little bit. Hey, Meg. (laughs) Hey, little girl. How old are you? And here's the pitch on the way. Does it not? (laughs) Giggity, giggity. Giggity, goo. Anyways, so I think think you had a really smart manager for the Astros last night get paralyzed by, I don't know, was it analytics? Was it the moment? I don't think the game plan going into last night should have been difficult. If Garrett Cole was available, he was the second pitcher out of the gate, unless you got all the way from Grinky to Osuna at the very end of the game. But Garrett Cole was warming up late in that game last night. By the way, I went to pull Zach Grinky. Zach Grinky was steamrolling, gave up, he basically threw one bad pitch and was still steamrolling with what, 80 or 90 pitches? You could have left him in for two more innings. It was an historically great start up until that moment. Um, and then. Garrett Cole gets fired up to come in the game and doesn't. He just sat up there for four Sits innings. There. And after the game, A.J. Hinch said we were waiting to bring him in for when we had a lead. Yeah, I saw that. I don't understand well, that. Now at your all. season's over. Yeah. Stop the bleeding. Garrett Cole is a free agent. So just and, stop the bleeding, right? And you you had a lead in the seventh inning before you brought in the reliever. And and uh who was it? Kendrick took you took you Oppo out to right field off the pole. You had a lead at that point. Yeah. And I understand, okay, you don't want to bring him in mid-inning. I've heard that before with starting pitchers. You don't bring him in mid-inning, especially when there's a fire to put out. That's not their MO. That's not what they were trained to do. All right, but how about after the seventh inning, when you're down only a run? Why go down with that bullet in your gun? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. Plus, at all. Plus, it, it should have been the bridge. should have been Osuna. 
to Cole. That that would have made the most sense. Like it it was very it was very weird. And the explanation of I was waiting for us to have a lead. Well, there's no game eight here, AJ. So you don't have a lead. You do have a lead. You got Garrett Cole. Yeah. If if there was a game eight, oh, he'd by be the fresh. way, post game post game had the line of the year when he said when when he was wearing what. Jonathan Scott Boris Scott hat, hat and said, "I'm I am unemployed now, or I'm, I'm not an employee. I'm not of an the employee." Yeah, of Houston the media was trying to, or Houston that PR is, was trying to get him to talk to the media. That's a great line. Yeah. I'm not an employee of the Astros. Well, on Roberto, so Will Harris gave up the home run to Howie Kendrick, and then Roberto Osuna came in and gave up a couple more. And you know, on Osuna, you just really hate to see a reliever take a beating like that. You oh, know, boy. you just do. Mm. Uh, that was karma in its most glorious form last night for what happened earlier in the week. And I really did like. I really did like seeing the Astros lose. Yeah, I've said before there are guys on that roster who I like, but that organization just really, really leaves a bad taste in my well, mouth. They're, and they're I didn't GM, want, their GM's a horse's ass. Their owner, like the whole thing, the whole nine. And I shouldn't be surprised because they come from Cardinal culture. But that's besides the point. It really is. It's not besides it's the point not, at all. Actually, <laughs> for you. What? But I didn't want Crane. Have to go back? The Cardinals are a heritage franchise. They're a great want, franchise. I didn't want Luna. I didn't want them to be able to hold up that trophy. I really didn't. I didn't want them to have that joy and whatever bonuses come with it. And I'm glad they don't. It's a fun series, though. It was. Oh, it was, it was a, a really fun series. Really, really good Controversy, series. good games. I think it, it proved a couple things, too. It proved you don't have... The, the odds-on favorite going into October is not very often the team that winds up hoisting the trophy in baseball. It's the team that gets the hottest in the postseason that hoists the trophy. So that gives the Twins a little bit of hope. But also the other thing learned, look at some of the starting pitches that were run out there, and it's just a list of Hall of Famers and All-Stars. And when Patrick Corbin is like the sixth best starting pitcher in a series, hey, real quick, that tells have, you something. We have some breaking news. We have suspensions from the, uh, the brawl oh. last night. Interesting. Hold and on this is. Let me make sure I'm not getting trolled again. Are you getting? This is a fake one. Yeah. This is the real Shams. This is the real Shams. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shamalama Ding Dong. It's not him. <laughs> no, it's not Shamalama Ding Dong. Uh, NBA suspensions from Sixers Wolves scuffle. Per sources, Joel Embiid, two games. Carl Anthony Towns, two games. Fair. Ben Simmons, nothing. What? Nothing. This no makes fine, no sense. No suspension. No, nothing. Chokeholds are fair game in the NBA he now. He literally yeah. choked Carl yeah. Anthony Towns on the court last mm-hmm. night. Who's looking at this? I have no idea. Did, but they so they re, they spent almost twenty four hours reviewing it. Did they offer up explanations for why two two and All I'm zero? Is this it's just sources so far, so yeah. it's not an official statement. Actually, here's a follow up Shams tweet that just came across. I was just all, kidding. I trolled Rami. All parties. This can't be real. All parties, it is a real account, by the way. All all parties <laughs> viewed Simmons as a peacemaker in the scuffle. Simmons was seen on top of Towns, calming him down with his arms. What? <laughs> you know what this okay. sounds Are you like? Serious? This sounds like a documentary on a small town in Wisconsin murder trial where the cops have again screwed up. How could you? That's real. Yeah, that's real. I'm looking at it right now. No, so what Phil read is accurate. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is the only thing incomprehensible. I can, the only thing I can think of here, too, I'm trying to put on my, okay, there's smart people oh, came to this decision. Maybe not. Pat, maybe not. And a bunch of people who had access to what was being said, is it possible that he was down Is it possible he was restraining him and based on what he was saying, it was obvious? To, I don't, I'm just it's trying to figure out. Cold? I mean, it's not just a bunch of... Should we give him a taser next time so he can tase Cat? <laughs>
To knock him out, possibly? I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I really am. It's it's one thing to not suspend him and say you saw him as a peacemaker, but calming him down with his arms? He had his arms wrapped around his neck after he jumped on his back in the middle of a melee. And had to be pulled and off And had to of be town. pulled off. Ben, you killed him. But I calmed him down, right? Actually, Towns, did you see Towns? I will rip Towns for this. He did tap out. Did you see because that? Because he's being choked. Tom, he's being choked. He tapped out. He's yes. being choked. Nah, you got to fade. You got to fade. Oh, <laughs> I give up. You got to pass out. If you're a real tough guy, if you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. Be a man. Get choked out. <laughs> you got to fade out there. Is that what it takes? So would Simmons have gotten like a $30,000 fine if Cat had just passed out and started convulsing on the floor? Is that what makes the league happy? Here's the here's the official statement, by the way, this from NBA Communications. This mind, dude. Philadelphia 76ers center Joel Embiid and Timberwolves center Carl Anthony Towns have each been suspended two games without pay for their roles in an on-court altercation and their continued escalation following the incident. So they're actually, they're basically tacking on a game or, well, probably, they're probably, it's one game for the fight and then one game for the back and forth on social media. The incident in which Embiid and Towns engaged in a physical confrontation that involved wrestling one another to the floor occurred with 6.42 remaining in the third quarter. Embiid will begin serving his suspension on Saturday, and Towns will begin serving his suspension also on Saturday when the Wolves visit the Wizards. Nothing said about Ben Simmons in here. So That's ridiculous. Man. Absolutely so ridiculous. So Towns is going to miss Saturday's game against Washington, and then they've come back and played the Bucks, correct, on Monday night? Yeah. So that's a so no Giannis. I mean, they're going to have a pretty impossible time beating anybody without Carl Anthony Towns this season. Still worth it. I'll take the two. Oh yeah, I'll take the two games easily. I think he's got to follow it up, and I just want to be clear. I think the huh (laughs) with more fighting. No, I know you want to see him pop Jimmy Butler in the face. Rami upset on Twitter. I think it's more important. (laughs) Rami taken to Twitter. To say the things he can't say yes. on the show. Yes, I did. The FCC can't hold me down. <laughs> no, clearly not. I hope you don't get suspended from Twitter for this type of uh, take. <laughs> Complete BS. Yeah. If you want the uncensored Rami take, follow Rami. <laughs> yeah. At Rami is tweeting on Twitter. It is, man. This is crazy. It's time for Rami after dark. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. I can't believe this. Like, okay, you missed it in the moment. And even after a replay, you've had 24 hours to look at this man, jump on another man's back, and put him in a rear naked choke, and you called him a peacemaker? Like, if I'm Carl Anthony Towns, I'm choking somebody out next game. I'm putting somebody in a chokehold next game and saying, I thought this was fair game. I thought this, I'm just being a peacemaker. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Trying to bring everyone together. My rear naked chokehold. But I don't think, I think it's worth it. I'm with Judd. Definitely worth it. Just to stand up for yourself, and it's been three years of getting punked by people around the NBA and people not respecting him for the player that he is. But when you play the Sixers in March and they come over to Target Center, you got to beat them, or at least be toe to toe with them. Yeah, you got to outplay Joel Embiid. Carl Anthony Towns does not put up good numbers against Joel Embiid. He did put up good numbers last night against Embiid before he got kicked out. He was like five of six from the field, thirteen points, some rebounds. But it can't just be this. At some point, when you're going toe to toe. You know, much like KG against Chris Webber, KG against Tim Duncan. There was yeah. a certain point where KG was just the better player. That's what we have to see from Carl Anthony Towns in those matchups. But at these some are point. steps, right? It's steps. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you completely. It needs to be the next step now is beat Embiid on the floor and beat his team. 
But these and are the steps, out. and them out in well, the process there's no problem there because right. you're not going to get uh, in trouble game. for that. But the, these are the steps that are necessary to me to establish something. Like because previously nobody took you seriously. They're just like, yeah, you're you're a soft player. Yeah, I mean, think about that. We've heard that for two two years. Yeah, and he basically, to me, until last night, had done nothing to combat that and come back on that, and, and he did. But you're right. Next time you play this team. Beat him. And choke him. Beat well, you could just him. choke somebody. In fact, what's their next game after they after he sets out the Bucks game on Monday? What, what's the next game then? Just choke someone then. I mean, just start choking guys tonight. Yeah. Around yeah. the league. Have you guys ever confronted a bully? Oh, yeah. Love it. I was always the biggest kid in my class, so I never really got bullied. Did you ever bully someone and they confronted you? No. Really? No. But did, didn't you get picked on by grades above you? I nope. did. I also had an older brother, too, so that protected oh, me from that. Not me, yeah. man. That was great. I loved being picked on. I loved it. <laughs> I did. I'm serious. My thing is... Well, well you <laughs> love being picked on because you love to then hunt them down? or No, or because it's fun to stand up to them on. because they're the biggest wimps. That, that's the thing about today's culture is so, so much like don't bully, but being bullied teaches you, too. Yeah. And I, I had kids in school. They were... I don't know if I was in like... And I'm not even joking about this. I was in second or third grade, and some fourth or fifth graders or something, these three guys would try and pick on me every day at uh, recess. And for the most part, I would, I'd be like Towns. I would sort of just cower and run, run away. And then one day I'm like, what happens if I don't? Like, what are they going to do? Because ordinarily, it turns out, as we know now, people like that are not tough. And so I just stood, I stood my ground. I'm like, okay, boys, what are you going to do? And they're like, oh, I don't really, don't really have anything that that we can do. And then what I did, and then because like my friend Rami here, I was the biggest kid in my class. I would fight fights for my classmates at recess. Well, you were like a and I was good. You're like it. a bodyguard. Yeah, and I, I was yeah, good at it. I did the same thing, and I would fight fights. In fact, I haven't been in a fight probably since about fifth grade, but I used to get in a lot of fights. And it was outstanding. I did fight a kid a grade above me one time and got beat pretty soundly. It was very fair, but I got beat. But yeah, I probably was in involved from first through fifth or sixth, probably fifth grade. I was probably involved in like ten fights. It was my, good. my best friend for about Rocky, what's going on? For about five years. Good was record. Like the smallest kid in the class and people picked on him and I put a stop to that. And then he got like way too confident that I was going to back him. I had this problem too with a friend. And just started going around I problem, starting yeah. crap and I, I had I had to have a talk with him like, yeah, dude, we a new contract. Like, just calm down, man. Like I got your back, but just settle the hell oh, down. I, I bailed. Like, don't get too on my friend. I bailed. I was like, I'm not doing this you every time. Hanging? Oh hell yeah, I got tired of it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm not listen, I'm oh, I'm not a meathead. I'm an intellectual. I'm a smart person. And to think that I I'm just there for my good looks and my brawn became too much. And it was a big, because I used to fight kids from different schools, too, and stuff. And then I get we this fight this one day. My friend got in a huge fight. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't want to fight. I fight. He's just going around soccer hooliganing it up. It's I'm like, an enforcer. We're going to fight today. I'm an enforcer here. I'm a, I'm a trained enforcer. I don't want to get in fights on purpose. It hurts. I got punched in, in the back of the ear once. It hurt for like five years. Yeah, you punched in the back of the ear? Yeah, a glancing blow hit the back of my ear. It's a rabbit punch, e- right? Eardrum. 
It hurt for like five, like not intense pain, but it still like was sore four years after I got punched. Like, dude, don't take my services for granted. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? that's right. right, exactly. That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, I'm with you here. Basically. Dude. You know, I had... I didn't just leave him. I was just like, oh, go I, ahead, dude, get your ass kicked. I sort, of, I sort of failed. I was in two, <laughs> two fights in school. One of, them, one of them was less of a fight. It was more like I asked my dad for advice. So these kids keep... The, the older kids yep. keep picking on me and my friends in the hallway, and they just like... They shove us and stuff. He said, well... Philip, I don't condone violence, but sometimes you got to punch a bully in the mouth. Yep, exactly so right. I remember, like, it was like mu- music bells going off in my head. It's it like, like Rocky, yeah. I just want you to do one thing for me. What's that? Win. <laughs> and I remember shoving this kid up against the yep. locker and being like, don't you ever. <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> little sixth grade Phil Mackey. Uh, I bet it worked. And then the other one was, it was a Fayette incident. So I was Carl Anthony Towns, and he was Joel Embiid. It was another kid. And um, I think it was the same group of kids. And, like, we were playing, like, doing basketball passing drills in Fayette class. And uh, a ball in my lane went over into the other lane a couple times, and this kid threw it to the corner of the gym twice. And the third time I said, if you do that again, like, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, problems. I love that. And he love looks at me. Love that line. And he throws it down to the other end of the gym. We have a problem here. So he throws it down, and he and he looks at me, and he goes, "What are you going to do about it?" <laughs> I Nolan Ryan headlocked his ass. Good, that's right. Don't mess with me. Yep. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, baby. That's me. So it, is, it is. It is good to, to be sometimes to man. act as crazy as possible too. Like you said, when you put that kid against a locker, you're like, "Don't you ever like get loud, get crazy, open your eyes wide, like just let them know you mean business." Yeah, and actually, you might not even have to scrap at that point. They'll usually back down. Like, whoa, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, you had that in them. You're believing nuts, <laughs> right? Uh, Stockholm syndrome is the wrong thing. What was I thinking of? What's no it? Oh, what's it? Napoleon complex. Napoleon where you're complex. like a little, yes. little guy. Stockholm like syndrome is when you're a hostage who <laughs> begins, Patty to, Hurst. begins to relate to your to, yeah. your, to your hostage taker. <laughs> that would be uh, Alex Bregman <laughs> talking about baseball culture. I would like to apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm my, so mom, sorry. my mom and dad didn't raise me to carry the bat around. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Never do it again. Uh, Mackie and Job with Rami. Oh. Actually, we'll save this for for sometime mm. either tomorrow or later in the week. Because we are uh, with that news that broke, we uh, we didn't get to. The, I, I wanted to throw. I have a list of Ronnie six really six potential number one starting pitchers that are available for the Twins this offseason. But we can do that sometime tomorrow or next. So it was going to go Cole Strasburg. Uh, I got Strasburg off. Then, I oh, think no. Strasburg goes back to Washington. I think he's going to opt out and get like a six year deal. So Cole, or something. Cole starts opening day probably. I think for the Twins. Derek Wetmore seems to think that they will be in on Garrett Cole. And are I think we drug crazy. testing right now, or is that going to come later? Garrett Cole or Derek Wetmore? Derek Wetmore. <laughs> we no, probably need to Cole, do it now. I wouldn't drug test Garrett Cole. He can do all the drugs he wants. <laughs> right. I don't care. Exactly. Come pitch for my team. Just don't get suspended for it. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. And the quarterback cesspool challenge. Oh. When we come back, we have a we have a cesspool whisperer that we're going to have to honor when we come back here. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week... Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. Intercepted! What is going on tonight? The strip sacks. And it pulls out again! And the Bills recovered again! The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the quarterback cesspool challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. 
Yes. It's becoming a wildly oh, popular segment that's being dominated by one man and one man alone that we will celebrate here shortly. But I'm just doing a quick celebrate? little... I don't know that we'll celebrate. I think it's worth celebration. So why does this show celebrate anybody? We'll mention. Yeah, I don't think we celebrate. No, I think you can celebrate. We'll no, okay. no, we're not going to start doing something we don't do. No. I just did a quick Google search here character. Yeah. because the loser each week is racking up punishments. Lots of them. And uh, I just did a quick Google search for Minnesota high school musicals. <laughs> Dude. And Rami, there's a few great ones coming up here. A few great ones. The Adams Family we said musical we're going at as, Hopkins High School. We're going as a team, right? We said the whole show was going. Did we not decide I, that last I'm week? In. I'm, I'm in. okay with that. All right. Yep. Well, pick. I mean, what night is it? I'll serve my punishment. I'm a man of honor. So High School Musical coming up. From, pick a I date. Think, pick Grace. a terrible musical and let's get this over with. There's actually one that starts Wait, tonight. Why, why do you have to denigrate these high school kids like that? They might be good. Oh, no, it's not them. It's musicals. It's just musicals I can't in wait general. To see this. What's Ch- up, Phil? Chanhassen High School tonight. Little Shop of Horrors, the Broadway version. Mm. How about Elf the Musical at Lakeville in uh, December? I love Elf the movie. Actually, that should be it. We should go to Elf the Musical. Lakeville North. I'm not going all the way to Lakeville. It's too far away. <laughs> I'm not making that just drive. Just up on 35. I don't you understand why just, people don't. Like so committed. Just pick minutes. a place. I don't understand why people live in Lakeville. Just pick a day. Pick a terrible we'll music. I don't store. understand why people live in Lakeville. Get out of the way. We will. I so have other pa- south you'll go. And in the meantime, I have other punishments I still need to serve. Can we get this over with? I don't want to let them every, pile up. Every week, dude, <laughs> they piled up. <laughs> I know. I know. I want to get this over with. Well, here, I'm telling you, punish me. Here are this week's oh. results. <laughs> Yeah, it was really hopefully, the, hopefully, I didn't step on that drop there, but that was a good one. You did, and it was wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> the quarterback cesspool challenge consists of 17 weeks of us attempting to pick the worst quarterback performances each week as measured by QBR. We can only pick each quarterback once, and we all have to pick different quarterbacks each week. And here are last week's results Judd, you finished in last place, which means you're going to be saddled with a future punishment. That we decide because Matt, you picked Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub, what the? What's going on with that? Matt Schaub put up one of the five best performances <laughs> yeah. of any quarterback How? pick so far this year. You're 100 years old. You stink. What's you going on? You know you would have been better off had you chosen Matt Ryan, who didn't start, but you still would have lost. <laughs> Did you before the game? The Falcons tweeted out like uh, it's game time or something like that, and Matt <laughs> Schaub like running through the tunnel with his helmet off, <laughs> and it looked like it looked like a guy dressed as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so why Halloween. was he playing well? I don't know. <laughs> and looked, his team stinks. It looked like a dude in his forties. <sighs> Dressed as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> it was amazing. And he put up a 71.4 QBR on a 1 to 100 scale. <laughs> Judd would have been better off picking Matt Ryan, who, based on our rules here, would have scored a 50 because he didn't play. So Still would have lost, uh, but you lost. You know what the problem week. is? I got cocky. Because they, they were uh, speculating on Friday that Matt Ryan might start. They announced on Saturday that, that he was out. And then I tweeted and tagged all you guys <laughs> with the Schefter tweet being like, here he comes, yeah. Matt Schaub. That's probably Called yourself I got, a genius. I got cocky. He played well. Rami, you fired your Baker Mayfield bullet against the best defense in the NFL, New England. And uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't a great performance, but it definitely wasn't terrible. 41.7 QBR. Really? Yeah. Huh. Not a total train wreck. I Nick took, Chubb did the did the job for him of yeah. handing the ball over to the Patriots. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I took Andy Dalton, who was bad enough to get benched, but not bad enough to beat Jonathan Harrison, the quarterback cesspool whisperer, yeah. who scored his fifth victory of the season. He hadn't thrown an interception all season long until Sunday afternoon. Third down and twelve from the eleven yard line. Crowd looking for a big play from the defense. 
Allen, however, has it intercepted, and they get the big play. Richard Sherman on the pick. Even old man Richard Sherman picked off Kyle Allen. (laughs) Allen's 17.4 QBR makes Jonathan this week's QB cesspool challenge winner. Manny taking a shot at Richard Sherman there. Old how, man Richard. How'd Sherman. you get that Amazing. one right? I mean, San Francisco defense, don't get me wrong, they're for real, and I like them a lot now after watching them, but how'd you get that one right? San Francisco's defense, man. I guess. Whatever. So Jonathan now has I'm not celebrating you. five wins <laughs> on the season. He has correctly identified five terrible quarterbacks. <laughs> Judd has two wins. Rami has one. I have not picked up a win yet this season, but I also have not picked up a loss yet this season. We are halfway through, and uh, the standings overall, when including all the points, look like this. Jonathan's in first place. Judd's in second place. I am in third place. And Rami, you are in last place with a bunch of punishments coming down the pipeline. Seriously, can we just get some of these over with? We will. We will. Figure it out. Figure it out. Okay. All right, Jonathan, let's fire this thing up. We pick in reverse order of last week's standings. And again, we're looking to identify the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL each week as identified by QBR. We'll go Judd, Rami, Phil, Jonathan here. All right, Judd. No pressure. I'm just trying to think right now. What? Wow. WWJD, you, what would Jonathan do if he had the first pick? Judd has had a week to think about this. He's on the clock, and he doesn't so know who he's going to pick. Judd's head. Dude, know who he's going to pick. I'm going to come real, beat you up. And just a little peek behind the curtain. Our interview with Sage earlier was was pre-taped, and we were all sitting here. Jonathan, I don't know if you if you picked up on it from the other room. It was the quietest this room has ever been <laughs> during a taped interview because we were all noses in our computers <laughs> doing amazing. QB Seth Pool Challenge I, research, and he's still not ready. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Are you sure? Are you going to pull a mic, Tice, right now? Are you going to forget that you're on the clock? No, that was uh, that was Red McCombs <laughs> in the front office. Okay. I am going to take making his first start, drafted by Jacksonville, last seen as a backup, not to Jared Goff, but Sean Mannion in Los Angeles, and now in Denver. I'm going to take Brandon Allen. Wow, mm. there it is. Mm. Uh, is this our third quarterback with the last name Allen that has been chosen in the quarterback cesspool challenge? Them, you're right. We have a Kyle Allen, we have a Josh Allen, now we have a Brandon Allen. I'm taking Brandon because I have a feeling this might be his only start. All right. Um, to Rami. Jonathan, can you check the uh, records that you sent me and I never looked at? Have I used my Dwayne Haskins bullet yet? Have I shot that off? Can't you get? Should I, I tell him? Dude, since I've he's got, got the record. I've got it right here. Have I? Uh, you can got tell it. Him. You can uh, tell. Him. Judd, can you tell me? Have I shot off my Dwayne Haskins bullet yet? Um, you have not. I don't you think have not. I have. No, I used Case Keenum, anticipating I'd be able to use two terrible Washington quarterbacks, which I indeed will do today. Give me Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Is Keenum not playing? Quarterback cesspool challenge. It's up in the air. Actually, there's a bit of a risky. Uh, you know play. what happened last time? A guy thought that and got cocky. It's a bit of a risky play. He basically came out on Saturday and uh, taunted his friends, and next thing you know, he's a loser. Well, that was going to be my pick. Actually, both of those were going to be my pick. So I'm going to have to settle for my third pick. It's about time you lose one of these weeks. Matt Moore, come on down. A backup quarterback against against a Mike Zimmer defense. Let's not overcomplicate things here. An Andy Reid offense. Matt Moore against Mike Zimmer's defense. I don't know if it's going to win, but I'm just trying to avoid a punishment here, okay? Not sure about you guys. Just trying to avoid the punishment. But I see fear in Phil's eyes. He panicked. (laughs) I see fear. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, plus, I've already fired a bunch of bullets. But uh, that's my pick. All right, Jonathan, over to you. I'm a little surprised doing the research that this guy hasn't been picked by anybody yet this season. 
And he's going up against a really tough defense. Great. Up in the great Northwest, Jameis Winston. Wow. Still Had hasn't him on been my picked, list. Hasn't been picked by anybody this great. season. No, he's gonna he win. was in the running for Now he's going to be the worst. He was in sure. the running, but I went with the Dale's defense Hastings. is not very good. You know, I'm willing to take that risk because Jameis Winston is awful this year. Right. See, that's the, that's the pick of a man who knows bad quarterbacks, Jonathan Harrison. It's a sneaky good pick there, Jameis Winston. And that's your quarterback cesspool challenge of the week where we attempt to identify the garbage performances around the NFL. And uh, by the way, I think we have correctly identified Kyle Allen in terms of the worst quarterback period in the league each week, even if we didn't pick him. We're about uh, 50% that one of us has has correctly identified the guy that was going to get smoked just in the league from week to week. So nice job, guys. We've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks between watching Vikings games over the years and Robbie <laughs> watching, watching Bears, Bears games, games oh, man. over the years. He's still seeing a lot of bad quarterback play in progress. He doesn't like to talk about it. but yes. uh, We're going to come back. We're going to wrap with your business, our man. friend Patrick no, you're not. no, I know I'm not. I, just, I get great joy in him not being good. Sorry. <laughs> I think Vikings fans are uh, enjoying watching this Bears season come crumbling down. Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app, powered by Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And we were talking about this yesterday. So they have some great deals right now on 2019 models because it's toward the end of the year. 2020s are already trickling in. They've got 2020 Corollas on the lot right now. But they're giving you great deals because they need room on their lot. It's that simple. This is your last chance in 2019, for instance, to get a great deal on a 2019 Tacoma Double cab, 4x4. Four four. There's only four left. Stop in tonight. Open until 9 o'clock. Ask for a test drive. Uh, that's 1.9% APR financing for 60 months. And there's also a lease special, too. But uh, you got to get in there. You can also just go to the website and snoop around for yourself. It's the last chance Toyota Tacoma closeout sale. I'm partial to the RAV4. That's what I'm driving right now. I love the spaciousness. Love the safety features, the technology. Stop in. Corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com Jonathan here with the final Score North download of the day. The Score North podcast network consists of more than a dozen shows from Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained. You can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at ScoreNorth.com, the free Score North mobile app, or search Score North, S-K-O-R North, anywhere you find your podcasts. Adam Thielen spoke with the media today and talked about how good he's feeling and whether he'll play on Sunday. Here's what he had to say. Oh, man, it's hard to put a number on it, but um, I feel good. I feel I feel like we've progressed, and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just, um, you know, I'll find out more every practice, and, and uh, I'll be able to kind of judge where I'm at, you know, after practice today and, and you know, Friday and Saturday and, and, and really, you know, Sunday before the game. So uh, in this league, it's all about being being close to 100% on game day. And, um, you know, luckily I got three, four more days to, to get to that point. That's been your scoring with Donald. Now back to Mac and Judd with Rami. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with Royce and uh, Patrick. Let's start World Series. Your thoughts on uh, what transpired last night in Houston? Let's, thought, let's start with Thielen referring to himself as a collective. We, oh, Yeah. yeah. How do you learn that in Detroit Lakes? Come on. No, you know, he didn't he didn't pay attention. He's paying attention to football, Pat. That was the I problem. I hate that. He wasn't paying Please. attention. Uh I, I thought it was great. I only got home for the last couple of innings, but uh I'm uh, I was a Nats guy all the way. Uh Granky pitched as well as I thought he was gonna pitch, but uh they uh 
They didn't uh, do much with the Houston. The whole story of this World Series for Houston is missed chances, isn't it? Really, I mean, they uh, last night they had what seven hits and two runs off Scherzer, and uh, they just—I'm uh, glad they didn't uh, come through in the clutch. But with that lineup, you'd think they would have gotten more clutch hits than they did. A lot of very tense games that ended up getting blown out at the end, right? Uh, I mean, they'd go the seventh, eighth inning, and then uh, and then they would uh, take over. But this is incredible. Houston was 60 and 21 at home. They were 5 and 1 in the regular season. They were 5 and 1 in the playoffs. You know, they won all three at home against Tampa and then they were split two with the Yankees. And uh they are or they 2 and 1. No, they were 2 and 1 at home. So yeah, 5 and 1 at home and then they end up going 0 and 4 in the World Series. It's incredible. Yeah, they started 19 and 31. Uh, you know, this kind of reminds me a little bit of what the 2006 Twins were supposed to be, what we thought they might be, because that team was also, I don't think they were 19 and 31, but they were like 10 games below 500 around a similar point and took off, and then they got uh, oh, case I was of the injuries. On, I was on the road trip with them, Phil, to the West Coast. They were terrible. 25 and 36, I think they were, something like that. And I was on, uh, they were, uh, you know, I was on the first two legs of a road trip with them. And Oakland, Anaheim and Oakland, and I think they were getting bashed rather regularly by me. And they went up to Seattle and uh, won a game on Sunday that I think made them twenty six and thirty six, twenty five and twenty six and thirty three. Yeah. After that game, twenty six yeah. and thirty three. Yeah, that was it. But they were twenty five and thirty three. They lost as many games of their first fifty eight as they lost the rest of the season. They lost thirty. They were, I think, then 71 and 33, something like yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, it was very similar. And I was thinking of that yesterday. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't a sports column and the columnist in the Washington uh, media uh, when they were 19 and 31 saying, fire this idiot, Davey Martinez. What is wrong with you people? Get rid of this guy. And while you're at it, fire Rizzo, too. <laughs> you know, so, there had to be uh, an incredible <laughs> amount of uh, negativity about him and to have this happen. Oh, yeah. Even my son, the Marine, called me up today. He's all excited. He's He's been deployed there for five years at the Pentagon, you know, but he's all, he can't wait for the parade. The, he and the wife want to know when the parade is going to be. So yeah. Did they set it yet? Probably Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Uh, Pat, what do you what do you make of our guy Brian Dozier going from he's he's now got a World Series ring and he's the star of the dance parties in the clubhouse, but, but uh, he's just kind of been in the World Series yeah. games. He got one AB. Yeah, he. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is uh, you know they they not only brought in uh, one second baseman to replace him and Kendrick, they brought in they brought in two. They brought in Cabrera too. I mean, he was their. He was their third string second baseman. It's uh it's amazing. He got uh nine uh I think they paid him nine, right? I think he got one year nine million. Yeah, yes. he'll he'll be in somebody's training camp trying to make a club next year, don't you think? Yeah, he's thirty two now, so he's Yeah, he that's has... I, I went to one of their nationals games where it was out there uh, July fourth weekend and we went on the Sunday and he let off with a home run and he was I mean he he, he hit a home run the first inning. And he was playing then, and he, he really had a horrible start. But he, uh, you know, he had a little stretch in the middle of the season when he was okay. But once Cabrera got, they didn't get Cabrera till right early August, right? Mm. And once once they got him, he they stopped playing completely. They uh, they just, uh, I don't know, boy. 
that's uh, that's a that's a we wanted to spend a. We wanted to spend Poland's money on an extension for him a couple of years ago that I bet they're glad they didn't spend. Uh. Pat, how about the uh, Rumble in Philly last night? How'd you score that one? I didn't get to see that much of it, but I can guarantee you one thing. If Cat and Embiid go in a dark alley, you know who's coming out? Cat. Rudy Gobert. That's who's coming out. <laughs> Both those cowards would be running like whips if they if they were. I didn't know. I didn't know it was a three man match. I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was a three. Didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't. I want Rudy going in there for him and kick the hell out of both of them. Cat, cat. I wouldn't give Cat the benefit of the uh, of any brawl like that. It was uh, who started it. That's the question. Well, it was kind of. Embiid was kind of needling. It looked like, and I think Cat. They were kind of off camera, so it's hard to tell exactly. But their arms got locked up, and there was yeah, I know. Tussling I mean, actually, Jim, Jimmy Butler started it. Really, that's Jimmy Butler did. Well, I mean, Cat yeah, was the only one to actually attempt a punch or what appeared to be a punch in the fight. We have not. Uh, the league has not ruled yet. They did two games for Cat, two games for uh, for uh, Embiid, and yeah. Simmons got nothing for jumping on Cat's back and choking him out. Peacekeeper, peacekeeper. Yeah, so apparently there's a, I, someone tweeted us that they're like part the, of the the uh, president of, of 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 our president deterring the uh, referring to the uh, president of Turkey as a peacekeeper in uh, northern <laughs> Syria, but that's a different <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, but Pat, apparently someone tweeted at us that Carl Anthony Towns may have told the league that Ben Simmons was indeed a peacekeeper. That's what, what someone tweeted. So someone tweeted at us, "Hey, we're not." Uh, we're not shying away from reckless speculation on the show. I don't think he was joking. I heard you guys talking about it. I think he had his armor on him, but I don't think he was putting any pressure on him. Oh, it looked pretty, aggress- it looked pretty aggressive yeah. to me. Well, it, was, it didn't look I, like Cat was very what? happy about it either. Embiid yeah. got out of just from the videos I saw. He got out of there knowing that with his reputation, he he had the chance to get the. Everyone assumed that he started it, and he. I think he was trying to avoid a, a long suspension. That I, I. That's what I thought anyway. Yeah. But I might have been wrong, uh, you know. Maybe you know, because I, I think if him if it had turned into a full scale brawl between the two of them, uh, Embiid probably would have taken the punishment because everybody would assume it was his fault. Well, we've we just came through a ten to twelve year era in the NBA, the LeBron James era, where all the superstars are on private jets together and drinking red wine and having a good time, and it, it feels like now with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Saying I don't want to make friends until I'm 40 years old. I want to. I want to hate everyone. So Why I start can, then? Uh, you got these guys, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Judd hates everyone. Yeah, don't start making friends at 40. Jimmy Butler and Cat hate each other. Cat and Embiid. It seems like we're getting some bad blood back in the NBA. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. There's, uh, it, it is a sport uh, when you're out there, uh, you know, in, in in that in that very limited tigery with uh, elbows flying. It's a sport that uh, certainly uh, is conducive to the short temper, isn't it? And uh, you're you're surprised it doesn't happen uh, more often than not. And the idea that uh, they can now taunt each other on social media is also uh, also kind of a, a new element to it to the last 10 12 years or so that's the one thing pat that i i don't get though so so you get in a fight which is fine you <laughs> you leave the floor you go to the locker room and continue the fight on either uh, twitter or instagram i that's the one point you know what i i, I could tell you this as an old older guy you know what this is called 
What? 2019. That's <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine Drysdale you, 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 brushing you, a guy back and then tweeting, "I hate you." These guys are operating like the people that we knew, and it's a completely different world. Especially, especially when all of these. Uh, this isn't Elgin Baylor getting mad at Will Chamberlain when they were both making a hundred thousand dollars. You know, these guys are making nineteen million. And uh, they they get sensitive with their nice million. So yeah, I guess <laughs> I don't know. It it'll be fun if uh, I hope Embiid isn't a big sissy like Butler was. And uh, when they come back here to play, that he's he's out there and ready to go. That game has that thing. By the way, has no chance to last more than five minutes. Right? What, the what the when they come back here and play. Uh, in March, when Philly comes back, yeah, there'll be a fight within five minutes, won't there? They, there's gonna I be love something. how this sounds. Old school hockey here, Patrick. Well, who was? This it? sounds wasn't like North Stars the, Bruins. Uh, wasn't it the? Uh, no, it was the Boston Bruins that uh, Sonmore. Uh, seven seconds in, Sonmore had him jump seven seconds. Bobby in Smith and Steve Casper was fantastic. Greatest night of, of my life, and there have been lots of nights <laughs> of my life. I'm nearly fifty. Called out the. Uh, the North Stars bench and nobody done anything about it. Yes, so yeah, like the previous game, they all did something about it. Oh, it was fantastic! <laughs> Nothing How long but fights. Did that last. It had to be twenty minutes, right? Oh yeah, and there there were fights that, that that whole night. I think it's spilled in the stands at, at one point. But that but the story there, much like with Cat now, the story there was that the North Stars had never won in Boston. That was 1967 to 1981. And they were a bunch of, and the reason they hadn't won is because they were a bunch of. Wussies, yes, right? and they lost. They lost the night in Boston of the fight, but then they played them in the playoffs. It was best three of five and swept them. Yeah, you gotta okay, make a statement. There was another time before that when Wensick uh, just kind of went up and oh, down yeah. the bench and waved. He and challenged the entire bench. This was back when you could jump off the bench and beat the hell out of guys. <laughs> Hey, you, hey, Phil, Phil and Rami, you got, you've got you seen the Broad Street Bullies. Yeah, uh, 70, yeah 70s, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fantastic. That's, that's unbelievable. Loved it. Loved Maybe that's what the Timberwolves that. can turn into this year. Oh, yeah. crap out of each other for 10 minutes, and there'd be two four-minute, you know, there'd be a two double minors. You know? you know what? I'll tell you what. If the Timberwolves decided to take that route this season, you know who would be the lead enforcer on this team? Sneaky on the down low? Gorgie Jang. Oh yeah, that yeah, dude can well, throw. He's going to be well rested. Yep, <laughs> but he can come off the bench. This works perfect. Gets suspended no, for ten I, games. I, he won't I, care. John, I did hear you saying flip, uh, flip. Damn, if I call him flip once more, I'm going to punch myself. Ryan, you. I heard you saying Ryan should tell him to stay off social media. He might want to ask him, but he ain't telling him. I'm just saying that's running this operation. Yeah, that's true. I would just tell him, you know what, Cat. As far as the fight goes, that was great. I loved it, but you don't need to spar on uh, Twitter. That was I my... do like the fact, though, that Cat comes from this family of two educators, right? <laughs> I mean, they're both yes. educated. They're, they work in the education business. They're both. But Mom was moved to flip the bird. <laughs> Embiid as he was leaving. That's my favorite part of it. That was Mom awesome. Flashing the bird. Mom, the educator, flashing the bird to Embiid. Like, gotta do what you gotta do. It's hilarious, man. It's a tough guy crowd there. Philadelphia. Got to, uh, got to <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Tyson. All right, Pat. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yep. All right. That's uh, wrapping with Roycey here. I'm Mackie and Jeff. This is hockey. Robbie. I love this. Yeah, it's going to be so fun when Philadelphia comes back here in March. Yeah, in six months. Yeah. By then, everybody will be saying, oh, it's water under the bridge. And you know what happens they then? don't care about that. Then Pat's right. Blah, blah, blah. Right off the opening tip-off. Bang.
Do you just right in the kisser? If your cat, so cat and Embiid are probably going to go up for the jump, right? Yeah. When Embiid jumps, you don't even jump. You just wait for him to come down and you punch him. And just right? cold cut him <laughs> right there. <laughs> By the way, uh, in the last minute here, uh, emailer Brian, listener Brian, sent in a few uh, specific punishment ideas for us to add to our list here right. for the quarterback cesspool challenge. Uh, idea number one here for Judd, as the former Star Tribune expert on Taekwondo, as you told us. At yeah, one point, I cover Taekwondo. Yeah. Judd should have to do a morning Judd from a local dojo on the current oh. state of Taekwondo. <laughs> oh, Judd at the dojo. I like I it. it. In some sort of a In the official guard, whatever you call it. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, this one's for Rami. Basically a robe. Rami, you have to be a guest on Judd's hockey show and provide a detailed breakdown on the Milwaukee Admirals. All right. I'm in for that. That would be pretty funny. I can actually, I could get you a really good guest to break down the Milwaukee. Hold on a second. Admirals. I'm looking right overall book for that show. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's book months out. The only thing I know about the Milwaukee Admirals is they have the guy with the most Irish name in the history of Irish names on their team, Callahan Patrick O'Reilly. His his wow. first name is Callahan. His actual name is Callahan Patrick <laughs> O'Reilly. That's a hell of a name. And uh, bagpipes play every time he walks into a room. This punishment is for me. Run a White Claw mile. You have to run a mile while drinking White Claw the entire time. I will be the guy. I'll, Wait, I'll be the guy. Hold on. That sounds fun. That doesn't sound like a punishment. That's not a punishment. That's a mile. I'm not in cardio shape. I just want to be the guy on the side of the course handing you White Claws like they do with little cups of water at the marathon. Uh, find our podcast on the Score North app. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. It was great today. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.